Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and folks, we've been watching since the last few years really as things have continued to get worse in terms of the sentiment towards immigration, the anti anti-immigration activists as they portray themselves, the rise of certain factions, areas within the far right that have turned some Irish people into useful idiots and taken advantage of others who have legitimate problems with the lack of public resources, the public services that they provide in their communities and the competition and scarcity of resources that makes them worry but unfortunately misidentifies the problem and misappropriates the blame. Uh, We've seen also that this has been something that media have been quick to jump on. Many in the media understated that over the last few years that this was becoming a threat and now they want to lecture us because we said we were calling it out. I can only recall how my me myself was asked to MC the rally for peace outside the doll a couple of years ago pre-COVID, and uh, we were met by a, a counter protest, is how it was put. But the counter protests were screaming all sorts of vulgarities, racist language, and all sorts of other vitriol in our direction. And lo and behold, I remember a few days later when this came up on the national airwaves. It was described as a far-left protest led by yours truly and met by a far-right one. That wasn't the case at all. I wasn't there in any capacity as a leader of a far-left wing. I was simply emceeing an event where we were passing a microphone from poets to artists to singers to activists and people from all denominations and none and all races and none to have a conversation about what we think in terms of Ireland for all. Not in, and not the other alternative of this narrative that's out there now that Ireland is full. Now, why I'm bringing this up now is because the podcast you're going to listen to is a conversation we had just before Christmas, and it was just for our members. It was a Patreon exclusive with our, our regular contributors, Harry McEvan Sonia. He is the guy behind Irish election projections. He's the election nerd who puts together the the polling reports, aggregates them, and comes back with some interesting data that gives us some insights into where the electoral um, mindset is on certain issues, and indeed, maybe what some and voting, voting intentions is, and we were also joined by the best immigrant beat reporter in the country, Shamim Malik Mian. You'd know Shamim; she's on the pod regularly. But what Harry had was was fascinating because he has gone back and looked at the 2020 general election and where that far right vote went, where it when they were unsuccessful at getting elected, where did their votes dissipate to? And there is a narrative out there, and it's it's pretty dominant in media that Sinn Féin have a problem here. Sinn Féin stand to lose out because they will be attacked by their own voters will deviate to this far right and this this complete utter, complete and utter horseshit that people call horseshoe theory which has been completely and utterly um, debunked over the last 20 years to be honest. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how these, these fallacies continue to survive but nonetheless Harry's research shows that that's not the case that Sinn Féin are not the beneficiaries of the far-right vote. Indeed, um, it, it's the main beneficiaries, much closer to government benches than you might think. So I've decided, given that everything that's been happening, particularly around Ross Cray in the last few days, that I'm going to clip that and add it now to a short podcast for you guys to listen to, put it out on general release, and go to irishelectionprojections.com to get the full breakdown 
And of course, join us on Patreon to get the full podcast, the full two-part podcast where we break down 2023 and what's ahead in 2024. That's available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise So without any further ado, here's part of the podcast we recorded with, as I said, Harry and Shamim. Please give it a listen. Harry, just on the on the that divisiveness that Shamim touched on, um, you've been doing some sort of end of year uh, polling. I saw your stuff you put up today on the European Parliament and your commentary on the far right and you know the narrative of the of the of the threat to Sinn Fein. Do you want to give us a little bit of a of an insight into that, if, if you don't mind? Yeah, no, I will because what it said on the website was basically listen to the Tortoise Shack to find out more. So <laughs> I probably should, right? Um, yeah, so this was actually a piece of work I did in February of 2021, and I never, I never published it because it was like it just didn't seem significant at the time. Like the electoral force of the far right was non-existent, obviously still able to, as we saw for a long time, do a lot of damage uh, outside of that. But obviously, increasingly, there have been a number of polls that have indicated that there is non-negligible support for them. Nothing like earth-shattering, but we're looking at them popping up, you know, three, four percent or so, which is which is a significant increase for for them. Um. And now there's been a story that's come out recently about how Sinn Féin are worried about this. And part of this, I think, is slightly, you know, I think this is a narrative that the media, that certain sections of the media want to have. But I also think it's a narrative that certain sections of Sinn Féin seem to be engaging in and promulgating themselves, which is odd to me. But look, um, around the threat to Sinn Féin seats posed by far-right candidates and threat to Sinn Féin vote. And I think that's been a... Something that I think we've touched on before, that there are indications that this could be the case, and something I've written about before as well, particularly in terms of issue polling around uh, attitudes towards refugees and migrants, um, where Sinn Féin voters are, generally speaking, on when you take the average and you take the total, we have more people who are to the right of Fine Gael or Fine Fall on it. Um, then there's also... but what. What I've done is, what I did was, uh, and this is what I think is interesting, is I did like a transfer analysis, right, two ways. Firstly, of where did far far right candidates would eliminated very early in 2020. So their votes would distribute um, almost all of the time. Um, secondly, then, because Shin, and I could, I could only do this for Sinn Féin, I would have liked to have been able to do this for other parties, but because Sinn Féin were the only party that consistently were getting surpluses in the last election, look at where the surpluses went and how much of a surplus went to far-right candidates, right? Um, so I'll, I'll touch on the first, on the second one first, just to be confusing. So when you look at it, and you have to remember the sampling for this is limited, so, you know, caveats around the data here. Um, but when you sort of work it out and you take an average and you normalize it, um, Sinn Féin's surpluses uh, where were available uh, and where there was a far-right candidate, about 5% total of the surplus would go on average to a far-right candidate. Now, that's not nothing, but it's not enormous either. And you can't expect that like 100% of those people will switch their vote to a far-right candidate. Sorry, I should clarify. When I say that, I'm used uh, the Irish Freedom Party, the National Party, Renewer, and then um, independents that I could individually identify as far-right from their um, materials, um, which is um, uh, the basically – I've forgotten the name of the chap who runs it. This is so bad because he's so good. Um, basically, it's the guy who has the ar- all the archival material of old um, – election pamphlets and stuff, I was able to go through those and individually identify far-right and independent candidates. 
So overall, you're looking at about 5%, just a little bit under, of Sinn Féin uh, surpluses transferring to far-right parties. So that does indicate that there is some scope there that some of those people might reorder their preferences next time and put a far-right candidate ahead of Sinn Féin. It's not going to be all of those 5%, but that is yeah, that, that there's, there is some significance there. Um, and I should point out, that's not 5% of like 5% of the all the voters. That's 5% of the Sinn Féin voters, right? So you're looking at overall like 1% or 2% total. So not massive. It's not massive. Um, but it is still significant. And you can probably you can probably reasonably assume from the polling data that that cohort may have increased from the, the issue data. But what's really interesting is when you look at the other directions. So far-right parties transferring to other parties. Obviously, plurality goes to independence. That's to be expected. But Sinn Féin aren't even in the top three of that of the parties that um, far-right votes transferred to when far-right candidates were eliminated of the of of, of the uh, of the major parties, I suppose, the parties that have seats. So uh, Fianna Fáil were actually the biggest beneficiaries on average of that, uh, followed by and there is I'll explain the reason for the thing because it does make sense if you think about it, but it doesn't make sense on the surface. PVP. Um, Oh, sorry, I've got A2. A2, obviously, but there I probably should have counted them as far in the first <laughs> place, but we won't get into that. Uh, so, but of those sort of parties that aren't on the that end of the spectrum, you've got Finnafall, then um, PBP, um, and then you have Sinn Féin. So Sinn Féin basically the fourth or fifth, depending on how you count A2 um, group that they come into. So it's Independence, Finnafall, uh, possibly A2, PBP, Sinn Féin. And then like you have Sock Dems like, really close behind Sinn Féin. So it's, it doesn't stand out. It doesn't stand out this is a particular Sinn Féin problem from the data. There is a, certainly it is still a problem. It's not great when you have that, as we talked about with the surpluses, 5% of your voters are like far-right curious, potentially. But it's not like they're the only party in this situation. And it's just very interesting to me that, that the focus has been on Sinn Féin. And there are, again, reasons for that. Sinn Féin themselves probably haven't helped with things like what Desi Ellis was saying. Um but the focus on that seems to me to be disproportionate. Like the far right are going to pull votes from all over the place. There are people, and again, when we look at PBP, obviously it is illogical, right, that somebody would transfer between the far left and the far right. And it is if you are dealing with a person who is, you know, fully informed of all the issues and is, you know, has that. But that's not that doesn't necessarily reflect all voters. There are people who go in and go, I hate the government. I want to vote for the people who oppose the government. These guys oppose the government. I have a single local issue that I'm going to vote on. And both these both these uh, candidates have. Uh, opposition or propose or support of this single issue. Um, so you do see weird sort of anomalies like that. But this idea that it's a uniquely Sinn Féin problem is really misleading. It's very important that Sinn Féin do get a handle on this themselves. They are going to be the biggest party in, in the state. They do, as we know, have uh, serious problems with, um, let's call it, uh, messaging discipline uh, and the kindest interpretation with some of their uh, elected representatives. Who have dear Aiden, dear, 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 dear Aiden Mullins, please, please stop tweeting this nonsense into my timeline. Um, uh, uh, but we have Finnafall, yes. we have the, the Finnafall Council out in Galway doing the same thing, and it doesn't get the same response. And it's really important that this is seen as a collective problem. You can't politicize, oh, the far right are a problem with party X, Y, or Z. This uh pulling of support we're going to see this bleeding of support where they're getting their voters from it's coming from all it's going to come from all over the place well except like maybe labor and the greens but reasons for that um 
but it's going to come from pretty much all over the place. And there needs to be a collective. It can't be pinned on, oh, this is a Sinn Féin problem. This is a Finafol problem. This is a PVP. It isn't. And you, they can't address it like that. But the problem is that the narrative we're getting both within politic, political parties looking to score points and a media that is looking to tell an easy story, um, that's how they're doing it. And you can't confront it when that's happening. And the data doesn't support the case that's being made there. Is there a class issue involved, Harry? Are they trying to play it? I get a sense that they're trying to play it as a class issue, but it's not a class issue. It's right across the divide. Yeah, I mean, we don't, again, it's difficult to like put like a numerical value on that because we don't really know um, because the the voting support has been so low. And, but it's certainly not uniquely work. I mean, like the the article in the uh, Sunday times, I think it was about it where they spoke about, um, uh urban working class areas and rural ireland and i'm like that is okay firstly that's most the country right but secondly um take renewer who are very much a far-right organization at this point in their um in their existence and quite openly so a lot of their support um which is still very low but where they had support a lot of that pulled more from from middle class areas Uh, and peter casey isn't exactly appealing to the peasantry either harry you know just, uh, just one, can I make uh, one point on it though? Because go back to the narrative. The reason uh, we did have that conversation with, with Josh Malloy, who looked at the Telegram channels that I'm sure you do as well, Shamim, and he was saying, you know, that they come in Sinn Fein, come in for the gr- biggest targeting because it's easier to say, well, the far right now are the real custodians of Irish nationalism, and Sinn Fein are not real Irish nationalists. Where, whereas, and so th- that is an easy trope as well because. But it goes to show what 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 the Telegram channels were showing was that your you know some of these players I want to call them and, and the Irish scene were being were being played by the likes of Tommy Robinson and uh, and very much UK fellas who were who are using th- that tactic and were quite excited about the buttons that they could push in Ireland and see if that was if that was a successful way. Uh, like is that a do you think there's that 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 there's good truth there's truth in that you mean? Yeah, I absolutely believe that there is truth in that. And um, you constantly, if you browse the Telegram channels, you constantly see that Sinn Féin is sort of being um, um, portrayed as the ones that aren't actually nationalists, whatever that means. Um, but uh, and they and it puts them in this unique position. I think that um, I think most of the parties are in this unique position because of the climate that we're in but I think Sinn Féin more so whereas they they don't want to look like they are soft on immigration because they don't want to lose certain borders but they also don't want to um, be seen as anti-immigrants you know um, so they we get this sort of mishmash sort of messaging from them which is um, I don't think it's- Is it just dishonest because we could really just turn around and say Ireland isn't an easy country to get into Ireland is not, you know, it's, we don't have open borders. We, when people arrive, we, we, you know, we have them checked on Interpol. We have them checked and, and look on, on database. You know, are we, is there dishonesty in how, or are we just really not? I suppose the question I'm asking is, is, are we just not fighting the, putting forward the case correctly? 
I think I, I don't even know what open borders mean because we certainly do not have open borders. And that's why perhaps we're getting so much people seek asylum because the legal routes aren't available to them. So uh, asylum is the only route available to them um, to come and um, to come here. And like, we, I don't know, like no one ever talks about, um, well, the visa is the, the visa rules that are there. They are out. Uh, they are actually pushing people to reuse this irregular route to come here. You know, um, I don't know. I think there should be like um, m more like um, when people, politicians, especially Sinn Féin, if they want to um, frame themselves as not anti-immigrant to kind of have these discussions with their constituents or have their um, challenge them when they talk about things like open borders. We certainly do not have open borders, you know. I think they should. I mean, I, I think this conversation that, that's based off Ireland is full, and this conversation is based off Ireland is full, is the wrong conversation altogether. And I think that what political parties and the media should be talking about is what is racism? I mean, that's the basis. If you're going to be racist, at least understand what racist means. And I think that's the part of the conversation where the far right have been very, very successful on being able to say, well, this is racism, or that's racism, or, you know, without actually, and there is legal definitions of racism, what racism is. This is not a difficult sell. It's merely information. That's all would, it is. And it, that the newspapers would, and the politicians would you not, won't Would go, you not be better off? It's racist to say X, Y, and I don't, Z. I don't, and they I disagree. Won't. I think you should be countering with Ireland. Um, Ireland actually is going to need, if, if you want to be too really brutal about it, and that's where we leave it, folks. The full podcast, as I said, is available on patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. If you're not a member, please join us. We have no ads. We have no sponsors. We rely entirely on you to pay it forward and keep the podcast going. And we think that independent media in 2024 is going to be more important than ever. We are entering the year of elections. We're going to have locals. We're going to have a European a parliament elections. And we probably will have a general election as well. And we want to be there to be able to cover that across the tortoise shack so if you like what we do and you want to help us keep going if you can go without the price of a cup of coffee once a month throw us the price of a cup of coffee uh, click the link it's at the top of the podcast that you've just listened to thanks for the support thanks for liking sharing thanks for leaving reviews and letting people know where to find us but please come on board talk to you all soon take care bye bye tony and martin martin and tony speaking to interesting people only it's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.